today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, can it get too hot for planes to fly? The answer is yes. And the next answer is we're getting close. Plus tips on high temperatures and national parks. Those stories next in the news. You get on the plane and someone's sitting in your seat. They ask if you might consider changing seats and change with them for because of the family or friends that may need to sit near them. What's the proper etiquette? We talk about seat switching in our Smarter Traveler segment at 320. Will you need a visa to travel to Europe next year? What are the new requirements everybody is talking about? We'll have an update at 335. Our odds and ends segment at 350 features a reminder about taking pictures of your rental car when you return it and about avoiding expensive airport hotel rooms. Mark and Tom and a huge pile of information to make you a smarter and more informed traveler. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again, I've been everywhere, man. Brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Thanks for coming along. Mark, uh, been a hot, sweltering week for a lot of folks. Man, I'll tell you, the heat and, and the travel news kind of going hand in hand. Can you imagine the, in, the, in Miami uh, wanting to get in the water and cool off and it's like 92 degrees? And Yeah, or, or worse, or in Phoenix there isn't a lot of water near. How do those people? It's been a month down there, and the temperature hasn't dropped below, what, 110? Or something like I just I I I'm afraid I would wilt. I'm afraid. And and indeed the 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 weather is starting to impact travel and I can only think that uh this may be just the tip of the iceberg, huh, so to speak. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's that global global cooling thing that nobody's buying into, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us, uh, folks. Uh, we have a great show for you today. And at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. And we talked about the heat, and indeed, that's starting to become a real factor for travelers. How hot can it be before planes do not fly? The answer seems to be something around 121, 122 is a ground temperature that starts requiring planes not to have as much cargo as many people on them as many bags as much uh any mail or whatever else they're they're carrying on board because at that point they can't get the lift so the answer is does it get too hot to fly and the answer is yes it can and the answer is yes we are getting fairly close to that time we actually have had a couple of situations where regional jets in the past have not been able to fly on extremely hot days um, apparently it takes a little bit more lift for a smaller plane to get off the ground I'm not an aeronautical ex- expert on that but anyways we are getting close to where airplanes might not be able to fly speaking of hot weather and travel um, Death Valley of course has a reputation for being an incredibly hot place in the summertime but a lot of other national park areas are becoming victims of the heat also the reason this is important is because national parks will regularly close because of snow national natural disasters that might cause the closure of a roadway uh something that has to do with wildlife within the park but national parks do not close due to intense heat 
So if you go to a national park, there's not going to be a sign that says, hey, today it's going to be X number of degrees and it's just not safe to go out on this trail. They're going to assume that you're smart enough to know. And what's happening with increasing regularity is not everybody is smart enough to know. Or people get out on national park uh, trails and don't have the proper proper hydration, don't have enough water with them, ha- aren't familiar with the trail, get out there, it's really hot, they're not able to move at the rate that they will hope to be able to move at, takes them longer to complete the hike, they don't have enough water, etc. So if you are a hiker and you enjoy national parks, um, state parks are a little bit better, but still, if you're heading out to a natural area, make sure that you have plenty of hydration in order to be able to complete whatever it is that you plan on doing. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, you know a situation where you run a short of water on a on a big hike. You know, I was thinking about the beginning of uh, the story there, Mark, about planes and how hot. Uh, we were debating that over the dinner table the other day, and everybody had their guests. But I was surprised that uh, the temperature was as low as it was, like a one twenty. I mean, you know, there's got to be a major effect on the surface of the runways when temperatures become that hot well that's the that's the other concern is that when you get up to about 125 126 some of the surfaces that are put down on runways around and tarmacs around the the planet begin to melt or become liquefied so that would be an issue too so the, the bottom line is um as i said in the headlines um the second answer is we're getting close to the time when this is really going to have a dramatic impact. All right, let's sh- shift gears a little bit here. Have a lot of information to share with you. This one, I think, is the next most important of the week. Transportation Department announces new airplane bathroom accessibility rule. Um, hmm. Apparently, the Department of Transportation is telling the airlines that they have to have a rule that allows their bathrooms to be more accessible. The bathrooms must allow two people to approach, enter, and maneuver within as necessary. Well, that's gonna, there's going to be some changes, I'm going to say, because as most people can attest, it's hard enough for one person to get into an airline bathroom, close the door, and be able to maneuver in any way possible. For two people to be able to maneuver, that's going to require more space. So in this case, the point of this whole story is congratulations to those who have some some special needs and need a little extra space in the bathroom, but your need may be our advantage because they're not going to put in a restroom just for you on the plane. They're going to put in one that accommodates everybody, and we will all get a little extra space in the restroom than we had before. Oh, I get. I thought the maybe there was something going on there. This deal about allowing two people into the bathroom, I never really, <laughs> never really heard about that, oh, except no. for in rare occasions where mischief is going on oh no Uh, trying to keep us on the air here we'll move to another story um states being hit hardest by passport delays we've warned you a couple of times that if you're waiting for a passport and i'm now one of those people um waiting for one i've got about 11 12 weeks before i have to travel but states that are in that are facing the longest delays there's a chart here the ones in the deep, dark green, there's six of us, and one of them is California. Wow. So once again, if you are planning on going anywhere in the next six months, really, six months is what you ought to think about um, as when to apply for your passport or to renew a passport. In some cases, you can do it online. In some cases, you have to go in 
and appear in person and have an appointment. There are ways to speed it up a little bit, but those cost money. So if you're in that passport renewal situation, make sure you allow yourself plenty of time. Going to be a new theme park by Mattel is on the horizon. This theme park is is being built in Glendale, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix, where, as we mentioned before, the temperature never goes below 110 degrees in the summertime. Um, The theme park is uh, by Mattel. Mattel makes Barbie. So there, you can probably expect there might be some sort of connection there to the new movie. But anyway, uh, a brand-new theme park from Mattel in Arizona. Here's a quick story about a lady who was yelled at by her tour guide in China. She fell asleep on the bus, and the tour guide yelled at her for being asleep. And I'm only just thinking about my own experiences being a tour director over the last four decades <laughs> on the bus. And if I yelled at everybody who ever fell asleep, on the bus, why, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just kind of a little bit bizarre, said um, the lady was being disrespectful by not, you know, I mean, if you paid for the tour and you feel, I mean, it's if you're snoring loudly, that's a whole different situation, but otherwise, I would think that the fact that you were quietly grabbing a few Zs on the bus would not, I mean, it wouldn't bother me as a tour director. Now, if the entire bus was catching a few Zs, then I might want to reassess whatever it was I was, I was talking about or how... I was talking about it. They had a fire on uh, the skunk train, which is split into two parts now, one in Fort Bragg and one out of Willits. The Fort Bragg section had a fire last week, and the folks who run the skunk train sent out a press release thanking the first responders, who did a great job. Um, this involved one of the bridges that the train runs over up in the Fort Bragg area, and mm-hmm. they sent out a press release and wanted to make sure everybody knew how much they appreciated the early response of the first responders because they saved the bridge. And I thought that was kind of a classy thing to do. You know, you got a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts, a lot of stuff going on, something like that. And you took time to thank the people who saved the day for you. That's that's a classy act. Frontier Airlines, we've talked about how they're kind of an interesting group to do business with. They have some interesting policies when it comes to flying. A Florida woman has figured out what the rest of us figured out a long time ago, and that is that you buy a ticket on Frontier, many times the fees and auxiliary charges you have added to your airline ticket if you fly with a checked bag and a carry-on and the like will bring the price of your ticket up to pretty much what you would have paid from to fly with a real airline. Um, this lady has figured this out, and she has launched a $100 million lawsuit against Frontier Airlines. It's a class action suit. She wants everybody to benefit who's getting screwed and messed with by Frontier. Um, there are some interesting stories now, Tom, about um, people taking a bag and slipping it into the sizer at Spirit Airlines, and it fits. They take it to Frontier Airlines. It's the same hard-sided bag. It's supposed to be the same dimensions, and the bag doesn't fit. Whoa. So is Frontier's <laughs> bag sizer just a tiny bit smaller in order to create more situations where you have to pay additional to take a carry-on on the plane at the gate? I... I wouldn't get on a Frontier airplane if it was the last flight of the night. Uh, Marriott uh, Bonvoy program is considering apparently some changes in their benefits. They have uh, just created, they have been surveying some of their biggest members and asking some questions involving around breakfast, their lounges, and late checkouts. So if you are a Marriott person, it's possible some changes could be in the wind. A British Airlines flight had to serve KFC to a group um, in some eastern Caribbean islands because their food didn't get loaded. 
So they called KFC during a stop in the Bahamas and got chicken delivered to the plane. No word whether or not coleslaw, baked beans, or mashed potatoes were included. Lots of folks are complaining who have been going on vacations to Europe. They say it's too hot and it's too crowded. And I told you so. Um, you might want to go to one of the lesser destinations or wait a little bit later in the year until the fall or something like that. I'm not sure what your expectations were, but everybody and their uncle has been waiting for the opportunity to go to Europe, and you just went with all of them. And finally, there is a blood drive at the airport on August the 16th uh, in one of the in Terminal A from 9, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're going to be out there or you work at the airport, there is a link to more information at TravelGuysRadio.com. And that's your travel news for today. All right, Mark. Uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, this, the scenario of, of, of seat switching, mm-hmm. uh, how it occurs, and, uh, and, 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 you know, just a little bit about it. Uh, well, first of, of all, have you, have you been in that situation where you've had to give up your seat? Somebody's begging of you. I have a, a number of times. There are two kind of kind of setups because Southwest has more flights than all the rest of the carriers in Sacramento combined, uh, and they board with in, in you know you get on and take whatever seat on board that you want. Their situation is a little bit different from other carriers where you have an assigned seat to get on board. So here's what has happened to me in the past on assigned seating aircraft. You get on board the plane, and somebody is already sitting in your seat. And when you approach, you can see, you know, gee, I've got 14D, and wow, there's somebody in 14D. So you approach, and you politely say, uh, excuse me, that's my seat. And the person usually says, yes, I, I know, this isn't my seat. I My traveling companion is seated in 16E in the back, and I was wondering if you would be willing to switch seats so that they can and i'm sitting next to seated next to you so they could move up here and i'm like okay um a lot this depends on a lot of things and these are just my points of view i'm sure everybody has their own um depending on how the person approaches it if they're already in my seat i think that's a little presumptuous but still if they're polite and they ask nicely and i can see if you're asking me to trade you an aisle seat that i have for an aisle seat that you have that's a couple rows away that's probably not an issue. Um, if you're asking me to trade you an aisle seat in Economy Plus for a seat in cattle car back in the back that's in the that's a middle seat, then the answer is no. Um, I'm really sorry that you're not seated together, but maybe you could ask the person in that's next to your traveling companion in the back if they'd like to come up here and have the better seat, and then you can go to the back. That would be one option. So... Um, I'm willing to do it if it's easy and it's fair. But if you're asking me, and I read, the reason this all came up is I read a a note that a guy sent in the other day. He was in first class, and the lady next to him asked him if he would give up his seat for her husband, who was in a middle seat in a premium economy section. And the gentleman said, gosh, no, I, I, I paid for this. It wasn't a complimentary upgrade. cost me several hundred dollars. No, I'm not willing to. And the lady berated him mostly under her breath for the entire flight. Until he asked, finally he asked the flight attendant to intervene. So um, I guess that in this case, asking somebody to give up a first-class seat for a middle seat in the back, um, I can't imagine why somebody would be willing to do that. But anyways, I guess some people would be shamed into a situation like that. I would not be one of them. How about you, Thomas? Have you ever run into a situation like this? 
You know, I have not, uh, but I've, I've seen it happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, here again, as far as myself, I would, uh, you know, take it case by case. But here again, I fly southwest most of the time. And uh, here again, I feel like you do if I paid extra to upgrade and to have a seat for a particular reason. Usually there is. It's because I maybe have a short turnaround and I need to get off so I can catch my next flight. I don't want to get stuck in the back. Yep. Uh, but if I paid extra, you know, it's kind of like buyer beware. I mean, you book at the last minute and you don't pick seats that suit your needs, then then kind of shame on you. And Or you're you know, getting easy on the plane. To... You already know before you get on, you know that you couldn't get the seat you wanted. And it's like, well, we'll just get on the plane, Bob, and we'll ask the people to switch. And again, a lot of it, wouldn't you say, I mean, a lot of it is in, in the way that the person who needs the switch approaches you. Yeah. If, that, if they're asking you for something that, that really is no skin off your patoot and they're nice about it, then there's no reason not to. I'm more than happy to accommodate somebody like that. Or I can remember situations, uh, one where a child was separated from, uh, from his parents and really and truly me moving would have brought one parent closer to the child, but I was still a seat away. It didn't really make much sense. The kid was like 13 or 14 or something, and the kid was like, yeah, just, you know, forget about it. I'll be fine here. And the parents were just, you know, being a little overprotective. But I get it. If you've got a small child and you need to be next to them, then and it's a long flight. But, you know, gosh, if if I paid a lot of extra money to sit here, and you got on at the last minute, and they had to scatter you around the airplane. Now, United has a rule when it comes to families that they will put you on in, you know, they will make sure that you're seated together. They will be the, the seat police. They will come to people like me and say, look, let's, can, would you be willing to go here or here or here's something we'll do for you? Or would you be a nice guy and make this happen? And, again, it's all in the approach. You know, one of the things to consider is, as well is who you're flying with. You know, generally speaking, when you're traveling, you've got, you know, a significant other, uh, maybe children of your own or grandchildren. Uh, so you have to consider them if you're going to be swapping out your seat and you're ending in the back and you're putting a, you know, a stranger sitting next to your significant other uh, mm. isn't necessarily cool. So that comes into play. And, and there's no doubt about it. The, the person approaching you and, and, and how they treat you and, and how they pose the question is, is pretty important. Well, and you mentioned uh, in passing there earlier in the segment, uh, and here's another situation. You've got a tight connection on the other end, and you've paid to be an economy plus or something because you want to be close to the front of the aircraft. And mm -hmm. now somebody's asking you to move back 10 rows, and you're thinking, well, gee, you know, normally I would do this. But uh, we're already 15 minutes late, and I had a 45-minute connection, and I'm sorry, but I can't do that because I, I this in this case I got to look out for me. So I think there are lots of if you're in the situation where you need to make this, where you're the person needing the seat, just know that from this frequent flyer's point of view, it's all in your approach. Don't assume that I'm automatically going to give you the seat. Ask nicely, explain what you have, and the other deal is the more you have to bargain with the better chance there is that somebody's going to take it. If you've got an aisle seat to switch, then you're fine. If you don't, maybe not so much.
And if you have a $100 bill in your hand when you approach the person. <laughs> well, and I've and seen say, this Look, I would too. like to switch, and, 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 and this is what it's worth to me. Somebody has offered, can I buy you a drink? Or once you make the switch, you know, they come around, could I buy you a cocktail or something like that? I don't drink, but I think that's a very nice gesture if somebody does that for you, is to try to at least make the effort to say thank you. Can you think of any other reason to carry a, you know, a, a bag of cookies with you when you fly? All right, uh, Mark, I've been uh, talking to folks that are booking trips to Europe, mm-hmm. and they're going, hey, uh, travel guys, uh, what's what's the dealio? Am I, is it going to cost me more to go to Europe? Am I, is there going to be extra fees? And, you know, I've got my passport, but what about uh, this visa stuff? So uh, it's time to bring them up to date. Tell us well, what you know. And it's, it, it can be a little bit confusing, especially if you only read the headline, because the answer is, is it going to cost more money? Yes, the answer is yes, slightly more money. Um, it's a procedure you're going to have to go through, and you're going to have to pay for it. Is it a visa? No, it's not. Um, it's not treated the same way as a visa. Basically, this is a way of collecting some information on you. Um, I, I, when I first read about it, I thought, you know, this is kind of like the real ID that we're doing. But no, it's not. It, it, it seems like more of a who's here, where are they, where are they going. I'm guessing some of this probably becomes marketing information. It's called um, an ETIAS is the abbreviation um, for it. It is not – you don't have to have one now. But starting in 2024, you're going to need one of these to go to 30 different European countries. So not every European country will have it, but most will. It is something that you will be able to uh, fill out online. It is The governments there are saying it is, it is being implemented because of terrorism fears. Um, it's an electronic database system to better track who's coming and who's going. So I get that. Um, it, it's, it's one of the prices that if you want to go to another country now, it's just the price that you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to give up more of your personal information so these people know who you are, why you're coming, where you're going to be while you're there, when you're planning on leaving, all of those things. The European Union's website says that this new authorization will start in 2024, but as of yet, they haven't clarified a specific date. So um, this story is from NPR, and the European Union's travel arm did not respond to NPR's request for more information. However, um, the U.S. government website for information for international travel um, says that it will be updated as once the regulation goes into effect, but again, didn't specify when that would be. So, um, a, a, a someone commented, a government, a U.S. government official commented, frankly, quote, "I'd be surprised if this starts on time." But um, if you are planning on traveling to Europe next year, this is something to keep an eye on, because it's likely to be implemented at some point in time. It's not a visa. They say that it's something that will be able to be filled out online, so you'll be able to go online and do this and get the authorization and approval. Um, Preliminarily, they say that it's going to cost you about uh, 7 euros, which is about $8 U.S. So it doesn't seem too arduous 
or no. something that you know you wouldn't be able to get if you just had to go online and give them the information and fill it out and they say, okay, you filled in all the blanks, this works for us. But it is going to be an extra step that you have to jump through. Yeah, the seven dollars and seventy cents uh, is uh, valid for three years, so so that's pretty good. I mean, it, so it's really almost cost you nothing. E T I A S, European Travel Information and Authorization System. Uh, here again, uh, it's for travelers between the ages of eighteen and seventy. So uh, anybody, if you're over seventy, I guess they're not concerned about you. Figure you're probably you're no not. longer a danger, <laughs> except for to yourself. <laughs> to your, to, you you start start, start suffering that that uh, that tripping thing, <laughs> the the falling uh, thing. You know, as someone for whom that that number is not too far off in the distance, um, and who frequently travels with folks who are in their seventies and eighties. <laughs> um, yes, I, I I laugh because they're. They're suddenly suddenly I'm about to be part of the group that they're referring to after all of these years. But uh, it's 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 nice that with seniority comes less security or less fear, I guess, that you're going to do something I, awful I because you might not remember to wake up and go do it at the time that you had planned. Right. And I don't have to take off my jacket at the uh, TSA <laughs> checkpoint anymore. All of because I. All of that jazz. Yeah. So anyway, what the bottom line to all of this is that if you're going to go to Europe next year and somebody starts telling you, oh, you're going to have to have a visa to get into all of these countries that you never had a visa to get into, that's not quite so much true. Um, are you have to, going to have to go through an extra step to get into some countries, most countries in Europe? The answer is yes. Um, appears to be just a paperwork sort of step. but um, And when it will start... If you hang around the travel guys, we will let you know, I promise, because something like that is kind of important. You don't want to get there and find out, oh, I was supposed to fill out something and I didn't know about it. So we will keep you posted, but it's going to cost you at least a few bucks more to go to Europe next year. Well, there you go. All right. Anyway, um, I don't go to Europe, so, you know, they won't have me. They, they won't? I don't try a couple of you know, times. people I, I'm a, I I'm a in Europe owner of a tour company and you would think that I would be a complete world traveler but many years ago I was a overseas traveler a couple times took a group to Australia that was pretty cool man that's a long plane flight um the uh, uh went over to Europe a couple times on my own to kind of check out destinations for sports leisure and stuff like that and uh, my, I'm a kind of a picky eater, and both times I went to Europe, my stomach said, "Not we don't really care for this area so much. And I got sick, and it was hard for me to find things to eat. And, you know, and so when I say, hey, I'm going to go to Europe. No McDonald's in Europe? Well, there are, but my, you know, I mean, if you're traveling with a group of people, they're they're not paying you a whole lot of money to go eat at McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, they want to eat oh, in some, I, some cool understood. local places, so... I just right. decided that, you know, there's a lot of great places here in the U.S. and Canada and that it wouldn't hurt for me to – so I, I just have not done a lot of European stuff. Now there are some places – I'm getting my passport renewed because now there's some places that I want to go to in Canada that I haven't been to for a few years, and I let my passport expire, and so now I want to go back. Will I get to Europe again sometime? Yeah, maybe, or Australia, New Zealand, that would be fun to go to. Um, again, uh, Sports Leisure Vacations has taken a bunch of folks there. Hey, listen, I, I need to mention 
something here. Um, I don't oftentimes do plugs for my own company, but I'll, I'll take a minute and do one. Uh, Sports Leisure Vacations has gotten tickets. Uh, the, one of the theaters in San Francisco is hosting a sort of a roundtable with a bunch of old San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Steve Young and Ronnie Lott are two of them. Um, Christy, yeah, Hall of Famers. Christy Yamaguchi, who's a gold medal winner uh, from the Olympics and is a huge 49er fan, is also part of this. It's going to be like five 49ers on stage with Christy, and they're going to do an hour and a half you know, kind of open-ended talk in the theater, and we have gotten some tickets for it. It's September the 27th, so if you want to go on your own, I think they might still be in the pre-sale. The tickets might not be available to the public yet, but we have some. If you are a 49er fan, this is probably something that will never happen again. Um, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, there should be a link to it. I was hoping Sarah would put something up there. If you don't see it, give our office a call and ask us about the 49er talk. It's on the 27th of September in San Francisco. I forget which theater that it's at. Um, so with a bus ride and the ticket, it's a, it's about 200 bucks. But if you're a 49er fan, this will be an opportunity to see some of these guys. And I'm the, the talks like this are usually a tremendous amount of fun because oftentimes people will say things that they wouldn't, that they forgot to say anywhere along the way. Um, and now they can say them because whoever they're saying about is no longer alive or it doesn't matter as much anymore or something like right, that. So yeah. It's always kind of a cool, <laughs> fun thing. If you're a 49er fan, September 27th in the city is when this this happens. Uh, TravelGuysRadio.com, you can find out more about it. Sorry about that. That was kind of a, a cheap plug, but I wanted to make sure I got that in sometime today. Yeah, and I, and I did want to point out, by the way, if you're just tuning in, it's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And even though Mark doesn't do Europe, He's got a guy there that's the president. Uh-huh. Or, yeah, I think he's the president now. Yep. Clayton Whitehead. And Clayton takes all of the sports leisure travelers all over the world, in Europe and, and all kinds of places. So if you, if you still want to go, Mark may not take you, but Clayton will. And I guarantee you a good time. He's got right. folks going so, to Scotland. He's going to Scotland next week. He's going to Greece in the fall. He's going to Australia. These are all trips that are sold out at this point. He's going to Australia in the springtime. Um, he's got a couple other things up his sleeve for, for next year. So, yes, there is, there is no shortage of Europe around here. By the way, you go on vacation, you take pictures of the family, you take pictures of the things you see. How often do you spend time taking pictures of your rental car? Well, you might reconsider doing that. <laughs> Listen, there was something we talked about uh, I think this was last week we talked about clear, which is, you know, when you go out to the airport, um, in most large airports, Sacramento being yeah. one of those large airports, um, there are three choices of how to get from uh, to plane side through security. You can go through the great unwashed section that most people go through, or if you've paid $85 for five years, you can go through pre-check where you've, you've given them some of your information, and so they, they consider you less of a risk. They know more about you. That line is generally much shorter. And then there's a third option for a thing called clear, which uh, you can. there's also a fee for. You pay. It's, in essence, another line cut. Many of us, and I say us because this is how I get it, is if you have a top-tier status with an airline, uh, sometimes you or a credit card company, 
you know, the clear status will come as one of those benefits. Now, that's how I have it. Some people who have uh, platinum American Express cards have it also. What you do is you have to sign up with clear and they use your eyeballs or they use biometrics or your <laughs> fingerprints to ID you when you go out to the airport. Give me your eyeball. So you stand in front of a machine and it says, yeah, you're you. Or you put your fingers down or whatever and you show them your boarding pass and they confirm. And then you cut to the front of and, and if you have TSA pre-check like I do, you cut to the front of that line. If you have don't have it, then you cut to the front. The, the, the clear person takes you physically to the front of the line, shows your boarding pass to the TSA person so they can verify your boarding pass because your identification has already been, we've already determined that you are you. So now we just need the TSA person to verify that you have a boarding pass for a flight that departs today, and indeed that's why you're in this line and you go through. So um, it, it's a basically it's a line cut is, is what it is, and it usually goes fairly easily. Not every airport has clear. Only about 30, 35 of the major airports in the country, and it's not good for international. So um, last summer, 2022, there was some kind of a security breach. We still don't know exactly what happened, but we know that some clear customers either didn't have on-file pictures that included their faces or when they went in front of a machine and it took their picture, it took a picture of their forehead and the machine said, yeah, yeah, this is the same person without really knowing it was the same person. So there was an issue with the biometrics, the fingerprints, whatever. This involved about 1% of clear members, which is a, translates to about 40,000-plus people. So it's possible that some people got through security last summer going through clear without really being identified. Whether or not any of those people were bad people who intentionally gamed the system – I don't think we know that, but TSA, when they found out, has come back to clear now and said, uh, wait a minute, your system isn't as secure as you said it was. We're going to start checking IDs for all the clear people. If they check IDs at the front of the line, the reason for clear goes away because now you've, you're, doing, you're not skipping anything. You're doing the same thing you would have done otherwise. So we'll have to see what happens here. For most of the people who fly, they probably listened to the last few minutes of what I've said and said, what the hell is he talking about? But when you get to the airport and you see that little clear thing, maybe you've gone down it inadvertently and they've asked you, do you have clear? And you're like, I don't know. What are you talking about? Well, then you're probably in the wrong place. But for the few people who have it, it has now become perhaps a liability to the system. So the question becomes, should we have a for-profit company involved in the security prof process for people who are boarding planes in the United States. I have clear. I would not pay for it. Um, if I had to pay for it, it's a nice little bump sometimes, gets me through security a little quicker. But if there are any issues with it letting people through that it shouldn't be letting through, then my, my feeling is that it should go away right away. Inserting a for-profit company into the security process and giving them an incentive to get people through security quicker, that may not be in everybody's best interest. I have to agree. <clears throat> I saw I mean, a, um, got an email from uh, San Francisco Giants uh, saying, hey, you want to get into the game quicker? Mm -hmm. Click here to go clear. Ah, yes, it is being used at some venues. And so... 
basically, again, what, what it's 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 an extension of TSA. What people are saying is that um, here we're gonna we'll we'll let you. It's it's like Southwest. You paid to buy up so you can get on the plane first. Um, that's what it is. It's basically a line cut, and so as long as it's a line cut that doesn't cost anybody anything from a security standpoint, if the people that you're cutting in front of in line are okay with it, then I guess I'm okay with it. If it does cause some security issues on any level, then I am not okay with it. It's funny, Tom. You know, people, they grouse about TSA and they rag it all the time and they're conspiracy theorists and all this kind of stuff. And all I have to say is one thing. How many planes have been hijacked since 9-11? And how many planes... Not just 9-11, but those of us who have been on the planet for a while, if you remember in the 80s and 90s, there were quite a few hijackings of airplanes in the sky. I mean, uh, uh, more than you can count on the fingers of two hands. So since TSA came along, that has ceased completely. So you can rag these guys all you want. You can say whatever you want about the Transportation Security Administration. But all I'm going to tell you is, let's look at the record. And the record shows that People are not getting on the planes with things they're not supposed to be getting on with, and they're behaving themselves at least on the level um, from a hijacking level. Maybe not on other levels, but at least on the hijacking level. All right. Let's uh, let's switch one more gear uh, to something a little kind of more mundane. Okay. uh, Yeah. Hijackings and such. And that is, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Taking a picture of your rental car. I do this all the time now. because nobody else is paying attention to what the rental cars look like anymore when you pick them up. They're not washed. They're not examined. They don't go around the car with you and mark on the little piece of paper where the dents are. No, they do not. And so, really and truly, we've talked about this for years on the Travel Guys. One of the best, simple things you can do to protect yourself, especially since we're now all, all walking around with a camera, when you check in a rental car, particularly if... You're, it's a self-serve check-in, and there's no one there to check you in and have you sign something, particularly if you're checking in in self-serve. But I would say every time you walk around the car and you take four or five pictures of the vehicle, just so that, remember, the, on the phone, all those pictures are time-dated, so it will show that the pictures were taken at the time you brought the car back, and now you won't have to. There will be no discussion later on about whether or not there was some kind of damage to the car and you brought it back and we discovered this and now you're going to have to pay for it. So really and truly, I I, I saw an article from uh, our friend Chris Elliott on his website this week that reminded me to remind you that it's really one of the simplest things you can do to protect yourself from overcharges from a rental car company. And then one other quick thing uh, to mention here, Tom, before we run out of time, Um, this is related to uh, a rental car also. This is, and, and, and to what we're just talking about, this is somebody who says budget asked them, they get a bill from budget a week after they take a car back, says uh, you drove through a hailstorm, you owe us $2,100 for the damage to the car. Yes, there was a hailstorm in the area where this car was rented, but the vehicle owner was not there at the time in that area, and where they were, there was no hailstorm. So they didn't take pictures when they took the car back. And so they didn't have pictures to show, but what they did have was their phone, which showed the phone would track and show where that phone was while the hailstorm was going on. The customer was successfully able to show budget that they were not in 
the area where the hailstorm occurred. And so budget had to do a mea culpa and actually gave this person a, a, a free rental for a few days because they drug them through the mud as well they should have at that point. But, yeah, to your point, Tom, you take a rental car back, and especially with these self-serve check, check-ins now when you're taking the car back, and you leave the car and you walk in and put the thing in a slot, and four days later, after somebody else has rented it, they discover a problem, and they decide it's up to, it was your fault. Now you've got pictures that say, no, brought the car back. Sorry, you need to talk to somebody else. And and uh, taking pictures when you first uh, take possession of the automobile, if you notice any scrapes, dents, anything, cracks in the windshield, take the pictures of those then as well as when you return the car. Yeah, well, that wraps it up. It's mailbag time next week here on the Travel Guys. Go to TravelGuysRadio.com. You can leave your question, and I think you'll really enjoy next week's show as well. Mark? Thanks for the pleasure of your time on this Sunday afternoon. Remember to dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. We'll see you next Sunday. Same time, same place.